Hey, Gritty friends. So excited you are here. Welcome to episode four. This is the second episode in a two-part series that we are covering on fears. So this is really going to be five strategies that you can use to overcome fear of success. Now, if you missed last week and you have a fear of failure, then please go back to episode three. Really, really good talking about strategies to overcome fear of failure. And then you may even discover later on that there might be a fear of success in there too, but was shadowed by fear of failure first. Now, these topics came from the Facebook community, the Gritty Coach, um, asking about what you guys wanted more help with. So if you really want to have something that you want me to talk about, please go into my Facebook group. It's down in the episode, episode, down in the episode notes. And there you can see the link to get into that Facebook community, totally free, um, but really good and diving into different topics as well that I may not have necessarily covered on the podcast. Fear of success is very different from fear of failure. Fear of success is different in, than fear of failure in, the, in how you feel others are actually perceiving you, how they feel about you. This manifests in several different ways, and we're not only going to talk about how it appears in your life, but also exercises to work on to overcome this. Fear of success can keep you stuck in moving forward. It can also be another form of self-sabotage. Self I'm going to talk so fast, it's just going to fly right out. It's... It isn't as much about the success, but what happens after you succeed. So if you're listening today, you're already at the first step, which is acknowledging that this is a challenge for you. Cliche, I know, but I mean it sincerely. Although this is another episode that feels like a 20 grit. If you can practice any of these exercises, you could see huge rewards in both your business and your personal life. This is where you get to take control of your life, get out of your own way and live to your fullest potential and purpose. Now, if you have a topic that, that is on your heart that you would like to learn more about overcoming or want to hear more about strategies, things like that, jump into the Facebook community. Like I said previously, connect with me. My goal is to keep the topics relevant to what you want to hear. So I also just want to mention about how much I love reading your reviews. They are so good. And I'm going to start reading them on the podcast. So if you would like your review to be featured here, just pop on over to Apple Podcast. Go to the bottom of the episode and leave a review for me. I love the feedback. I'm not afraid of the feedback. I'm not afraid of the constructive criticism. I want to know how you guys are feeling and how the podcast is going and sitting with you. And definitely don't forget to follow so that you never miss an episode. Now, if you're ready, let's go get gritty. friends, welcome to The Gritty Coach. If you're feeling overwhelmed, unfocused, or even stuck in your business, don't worry. I completely know where you're coming from and I've been there before, but now you want to get some clarity, a plan, and you're ready to take your business to the next level, then you are in the right place. My name's Erica and I'm The Gritty Coach. Just a little about me, I'm a veteran, a wife, a boy mom, a twin mom, and a fur mom. And after 20 years in the Navy and my unique life experiences, I am here to help you smooth and polish your business practices through what I like to call gritty love. So if you think you're tough enough, sit back, buckle up, and let's get gritty. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. Thank you for listening today. So here's some questions I want you to ask yourself. Are you holding yourself back in your business? 
Do you feel like you're not good enough or that you can't succeed? Because if so, you're not alone. There are a lot of people being held back by their fear of success. But fortunately, today is where we're going to discuss a few things that you can do exercises to overcome it. So fear of success is the fear of how others see you or judge you. It comes down to what happens after you succeed. What happens next and how will everybody see you? I will tell you, here's a military story, that the military, people in the military will tell you that those who do really good work are rewarded with more tasks, bigger tasks. They expect you to do more. And as you become a leader, I will tell you that in the Navy, for sure, that they definitely teach you really good strategies on becoming a successful leader. I feel like you're sort of born with it, but then you really can naturally get into your specific divine leadership role more and more with practice and with learning techniques. And then you figure out what sits right with you and what doesn't. What works for one may not necessarily work for the others. I had a CMC that was very, very hard. He would sit you down Um, and Kevin, if you're listening to this, love you, brother. Um, he would sit you down and tell you if you were a new sailor coming in, the worst thing that you could ever do was, um, date people in the workplace, right? Cause that's, that's like the worst. So he would tell you that our workplace was like your family, everybody in the Navy's family. Anyways, you get taken away and thrown across the country, across the world from your actual family. So your Navy becomes your family. Like if there was an emergency and they were trying to get a hold of me or they're trying to get a whole book and they couldn't get us, they become your emergency contact because really they know more about what's going on with your kids than anybody else and how the military works. And it just makes things easier. Digress. Let's go back. But Kevin would sit people down as they checked on board and tell them that this is their family and it's, it's a family thing. And that in families, we don't date, <laughs> we don't date our family. So he would tell him, he's like, anybody that's in uniform, that's your family. You don't date them. So they're different styles. And his was a very gritty. I swear there were days. I think he was more like a five grit, but I loved it. I, there were, and I could give it back to him. Like as much as he could dish it out to me, I could give it to back to him and tell him, Hey, that was too harsh. Or probably want to take that and take it up a notch or, Hey, we need to do this. You know, like he really listened and I loved it. I learned so much from him. It really helped me develop as a leader and figure out what my styles were. And you learn from all different leaders. You learn the good, the bad, the ugly. And then you figure out from each one of those leaders where your style is, right? So I love the fact that the Navy has great leaders. The thing that is hard, that that becomes really hard is that as they expect you to do more, you start to set in with, can I actually do it? I, I don't know. Can I actually deliver it? Now, last week I spoke about this huge presentation that I had that I had given to the Vice Admiral Congressional Task Force. And I will tell you, I completely had some imposter syndrome there, which is also another part of fear of success. Like, can I deliver what they want me to deliver? They're expecting me to give this. Can I do that? And I will tell you that talking it over with leadership and with other people around, I can definitely tell you that I felt much better about going into it, right? That fear of success is really how, how you feel that others judge you afterwards. So here's just another example from the military and how I would say imposter syndrome, this fear of success. I had been working in a supply battalion with the Marines. I did nine years. My first nine years were with the Marines. And this was my second tour and I was with the supplies and we, every summer we had to go out to 29 Palms. 
If you've ever been to 29 Palms, I'm sorry. It is so incredibly hot and there's not much there. It's like literally your front yard is the desert. Now, oddly enough, when I was, I always worked with the reserves and that's not odd, but the part that was odd was the reserves always got the time in the desert in 29 Palms during the summer. And I thought that was just crazy. Everybody else had time to acclimate. Now reserves only come in for their weekends and their two weeks and they backfill, they deploy and they're, so they're, they're all over the place. Their general regimen is to, you know, one weekend out of the month, two weeks out of the year. Now the, the Navy would send them or the Marine Corps would send them out to the desert in the hottest part of the summer. It would be like June to August. And so I, we'd have to go out there and we'd be there for six weeks doing these exercises, you know, was there for medical resupply, never fail that they would run out of IV fluid because all these Marines were getting so dehydrated. They're out in this horrible, dry, hot, hot. And when I tell you hot, I tell you that they measured the sand one day and it was 142 degrees in the sand. It is hot. It is no wonder that these Marines, these reserve Marines would wind up you know, getting super dehydrated and, and having heat exhaustion. And uh, thank goodness, I don't think I ever saw a heat stroke. I've seen some other stuff out there, but the, those are stories for another day. But I happened to be back in, in San Diego and we were doing our filling stuff and making things ready because we had to do these resupply runs. Well, I got notified that they were running out of lactate ringers, which is IV fluid. That meant that they were gonna have problems trying to get these Marines to stay hydrated and complete their exercises. Immediately, we had to go into gear about how we were gonna to try to get the lactate ringers out to them. And we needed a lot. It wasn't just, you know, one or two cases. I mean, we were talking 30, 40, 50 cases, which was way more than I could travel in a van. It needed to be flown out. Now, 29 Palms is not very far. And if I had taken, I mean, it could have gone in a five ton or a seven ton, but that would have taken forever. I mean, forever. It's only about two and a half hours in a car, but in a five ton, you're talking four or five hours and a not, not fun ride and no air conditioning. I mean, not that I couldn't have done it. Okay, so we're just gonna go with the fact that I probably was a little bit spoiled, but I knew that there was a better way to do it and I knew I could get it out there. So what did I do? I called Camp Pendleton and not only did I have to get the LRs from up there because we only had so many cases, so I could get those cases, but then also had to trade with other people to try and get more cases as well. So they had a supply battalion up at Camp Pendleton and I was down at, by Miramar. And so we would try to trade off things so that we could get what we needed and they had stuff that, you know, Camp Pendleton had stuff that they needed and so we would trade. My next question was, can you fly me out? Now, I couldn't go by helicopter, um, I think that, Again, you're talking about 30 cases of offloading. Um, I think somewhere between 20 and 30 cases. I mean, we're talking years ago, so <laughs> somewhere in there. But they had um, a, a small aircraft that was going to be flying out. It, it flies out, not quite daily to 29 Palms, but it flies around in California and needed to get its flight hours. So there's your air crew needs flight hours, the pilot needs flight hours, and the plane actually has to have flight hours. So with reserves, planes can't and helos can't, jets can't, all that can't sit around and wait for reserves to get in. So reserves actually reschedule themselves all throughout the week and um, fly, you know, planes and jets and trucks, drive trucks, they don't fly trucks, but you know what I'm saying. And they would they would uh, go out and, and take care of them because he needed to make sure that they stayed good, right? Everything, you know, 
everything stays greased up. That's what they were mainly concerned about and they all needed hours. So they happened to have a C-12, I think is what it was, which is these tiniest little airplane. It is officially the smallest aircraft I've ever flown in. And that was a seven seater. And it was one of those where it was so small, I had to go, okay, if the air crew guy is not panicking, I'm not going to panic. Like, I, like when he starts to show signs of panic, I'm officially, that that's my sign that I'm going to start to panic. The winds coming out of the desert to fly in and we had to make one pit stop before we could get there. And we had to, I think we picked up some passengers and then we wound up going into 29 Palms. And I can't even tell you where we flew into someplace out in the desert. The winds, it was like the roller coaster. Like I, 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 if you've been to California Adventure and they have what used to be the, it's Guardians of the Galaxy now. I can't remember what it was before. I wanted to say something like Haunted Hotel, but I don't know that that was it. But Guardians of the Galaxy is what it is now. So I'll go with that. And it drops. That is what my stomach did in the clouds. I, mm, that was the worst turbulence I have ever experienced. And it's such a small plane. I seriously, I looked back at the air crewman and he was fine. And I was like, okay, I'm not, not going to panic here. So we eventually made it into 29 Palms, flew the lactated ringers in, had a bunch of vehicles lined up on the tarmac to take the lactated ringers to all the different places that they needed them because it wasn't just in one central location. I mean, they had Marines out everywhere. So they needed to take them out to all the different medical locations. And then I flew back, right? They flew me back to 29 Palms or back to not 29 Palms. They flew me back to Sandy uh, to Camp Pendleton. And so that was huge. That was huge. Not only did I service all the Marines that needed to get lactated ringers out there super fast. And I did that within less than, I want to say, I, I think I booked the flight one afternoon and I was out the next morning. So we're talking about a maybe 18 hour turnaround, if that, which is pretty unheard of because that was fuel that had to be paid for. Who was going to be doing the flying, getting those people ready to go, getting that aircraft ready to go, loading everything up because I had to get it from San Diego up to Camp Pendleton, getting it in the aircraft, having everybody ready for it. I mean, like we're talking like a series of things that needed to be done. And doing it in 18 hours is pretty significant. And I'm not saying that to boast. What I'm saying is, is that afterwards, the expectation for things that I needed to do was much higher. Like, they, my battalion who was located on the East Coast, <laughs> so my nearest like supervisor was located in, uh, in Virginia, those people expected me to do things that I didn't know that I could actually keep delivering. I didn't know. I was like, oh my gosh, that I, got, I felt like I got lucky. I got lucky with that. I just made the right phone calls. I called the right people. It just all wound up falling into place. And to me, that felt like luck. And that's sort of where that whole um, fear, fear of success sort of comes in and that imposter syndrome, like I, like, I just got lucky. I don't think I can do this again. And I really had to turn around and say, no, 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 I know the right people to network with. And I've, I've been networking all these years, all these years, however many years I had been there, I've been networking with those people just four times like this. I had worked with them for times like this. My first um, tour after I got out of schools was with the Air Wing. So I knew so many people between Miramar and Camp Pendleton from those previous four years I had been with the Air Wing. 
I had met and networked with a lot of people, which made good connections. That's what you're supposed to do. The more networking you do and the more connections you do and the more speaking with other people and learning and listening and figuring out how everybody helps, that's when that imposter syndrome sort of comes back and you can tell it, no, 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 no. I worked that network together. I connected with them. I helped them as much as they helped me, as much as they helped those Marines. So all of that became part of that mission. So that covers quite a bit of the whole fear of success that we're going to talk about. And I, I just, I really, like that was a huge one for me. I didn't have much after that. I seem to have sort of dealt with the whole fear of success in that moment and really relished in the fact that I had done what I needed to do to help everybody around. And my team came in and was helpful. And the team in Camp Pendleton and the team in 29 Palms, that wasn't just me. I made the initial connections, but it took all of those people to make that happen so that those Marines could stay out there and do the exercises that they needed to do because it was important. It was important work that they needed to do that. I really get more, I guess, more fear of failure when it comes around these days, I guess, um, than it would be fear of success. Uh, most of the time, I, I really, you know, I, I don't want to say that I don't care what people think. I do. I do. I want to hear constructive criticism. I want to hear feedback. I want to um, hear what people have to say so that I can better me. But I don't care when people are just being negative and don't don't care. They're just doing it because either they're jealous or they have a problem or they aren't really just giving me feedback. They just want to tell me how crappy it is. I have no room for that, right? I have no room for that negativity because it just, it clogs my brain and my ability to do things. And I have decided that that's not how I want to be. I don't want that around me. So people that are just negative to be negative, very different than people that want to give you constructive criticism, feedback, we'll say feedback, because that's a much nicer word than constructive criticism, but they want to give you feedback. And I ask for it. I literally ask for it. It was in the intro. I, I said, give me feedback. Tell me what you think. Tell me how you feel that this is working for you. And if it's not, it's okay. Tell me that too. Like I get nothing out of what you say. Fine. I will change it up. But tell me what, what didn't, what didn't work for you. You didn't like the strategies. You didn't like my stories were horrible. Um, you didn't like the way I said it. Like, tell me that feedback so that I can work on bettering me and deliver a better product. Like, that's the whole growth mindset. Growth mindset. And I did a um, video in the in our Facebook community. Um, again, plug for that. Just a plug that if you haven't joined that community, you get a little bit of extra than what's in the um, podcast currently. And I talked about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. The fixed mindset doesn't want to hear all that. The growth mindset says, yes, tell me, tell me feedback that I can actually work on me because I'm okay with that. I know I'm not going to be perfect. I've accepted that. I know that I am going to have challenges and I know there are times where what I try to do may not work or won't work. And that's okay because that's where I learned what didn't work and now I need to try again to what will work until I find it. It's like a fork in the road. So you go forward and then you get something that tells you that you're, you know, that it's not working. So you back up and you go and you find out like before that, and then you take the fork and you take a different path. And you say, okay, this one led to a dead end. That didn't work. You know, think of Indiana Jones and they were on, um, which one was that? Was that, uh, wasn't, was it, it wasn't Temple of Doom. 
oh my goodness, it wasn't Last Crusade. Oh, I'm so going to forget, like my husband's going to kill me for this. But in Indiana Jones, when they were in, the, in India and they were on the cars in the mines and the mines had to take the fork and one of them dead end, right? It's just like that. It dead ends and then you sort of back up and you figure out which way is the exit and you go that way. That is, that is where I really feel like feedback sort of fuels all of that. That growth mindset fuels all of that. It's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. Does, does feedback always feel good? No, no, it doesn't always feel good. I mean, you're telling me that something I did may not have worked, right? You may also tell me that it's great. I loved it. Everything you said was amazing. It was like the best thing since sliced bread. Ah, yes. No, but I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like it may hurt and that's okay because I know what you're trying to do is helping me. At that point, it's not just the negativity. You're literally trying to help me get better. And that to me is, is where I want people in my life that are going to tell me that. And I'll even ask, like, does this resonate with you? Do you like the title? What do you want to hear about? What did this work? Did you like these strategies? I may, and I do that all the time in coaching. I always follow up and say, give me feedback. When I'm talking to any of my clients, I'll tell, I'll ask them, you know, hey, is this working? Like, We'll do, when we do accountability each week, I ask them what worked, what didn't work, okay? You tried to do some um, a time blocking and time blocking didn't work for you in the manner in which I thought it would. So let's regroup and let's try this a different way. And it's constantly in the moment trying to say, okay, the fork, I need to take a different fork in the road. Growth mindset, again, if you missed that, growth mindset I talked about in the Facebook group and it's really good. These are all ways to try and get over sort of that fear of success, fear of failure type thing. Let's get to exactly how does fear of success manifest itself. One, fear of losing who you are. Now, this is perfect example is like lottery winners. You hear about this all the time. They win $400 million, which means they really got like you know, 200 million after every, after taxes. But those lottery winners, a lot of times wind up broke. They spend it all, blow it all. And then they also sort of lose themselves. They think they're just above everything and then they go crazy because they have no plan. They didn't reach out to others and like create a plan so that they managed their money well, so that they, you know, lived off the interest. If you got $200 million, you live off the interest for, you know, whatever amount of years. You took the lump sum and you blew it. And you got nothing to show because after you buy that 10, $20 million house and all your money's gone, how are you going to pay the property taxes on that? Because that's a lot of money. And depending on where you live, even more. Like if you're in New York, California, Washington, DC, like if you're in any of the big ones, that's so expensive. Just the property taxes, right? So lottery winners, fear of losing who you are. So people that win have a fear um, of, of losing who they are if they come into money and things like that. Fear of societal norms. So a backlash that you are not doing what society thinks you should be doing. Now for the longest time in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 60s, 60s even, women were the stay at home, stay in the kitchen, take care of kids, make dinner, clean the house, and it was just expected, right? That's your That was the societal norm. And people feared getting out of that women feared getting out of that nowadays it's it's sort of in the workforce area where we start to feel like we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing and so if we decide to break out of that because everybody thinks that this is where we need to be and we decide we want more because we can give more and we feel it in our bones that it's more 
then we start to feel like, oh, no, I can't do it because if I do, I'm not doing what everybody expects me to do. And then they're going to judge me. Again, we'll go back to what is it's about being judged and how people look at you. Three, won't live up to expectations. Okay, this is the one that I had. This is the imposter syndrome. This is like with great power comes great responsibility, right? This is um, that imposter syndrome where you feel like you have done something, it was a stroke of luck, and now people expect you to do things and you don't know if you can do it, right? It's after I've already succeeded and now I have this fear that I can't continue. Four, fear of criticism. Now, I think we just talked about that when I said growth mindset. Being fearful that if you put yourself out there, again, it's the effects after you succeed, you put yourself out there, it's that fear of criticism coming back. That is the growth. Now, if somebody criticizes you and is just the negative Nancy, negative Nathan, like ditch them out of your world. It's okay, it's okay to silence them. Literally okay to silence them. Now, it may be harder with family, but move them out of your realm, push them out of your circle of influence. We talked about that in fear of failure. Move them out of your circle of influence. Let them go sit in your circle of concern that we're not going to pay attention because we can't control them. They have to deal with them as to why they feel like they are just need to be negative on you. Now, if somebody comes to you and says, okay, I think that we can do this better. Here's what's not working or I don't feel like it's working, but here's where I think we can make it better. I come to you with a problem and a solution if I'm going to tell you. I mean, if I really don't know the answer, then I may just tell you, hey, this doesn't seem like this works, but maybe we can figure out how to like together, or maybe we can bring somebody else in that's, that knows more about this area and you bring in an expert. But really military trained me that if I was going to come up with a problem, I'd better have an answer for that because <laughs> don't bring the problem up if you can't fix it. Some leaders that didn't even want to hear that. I don't care what, you're, what you think is the problem. I'm telling you to do this, go do it. And I, I don't have time for your answers. There are times when that's necessary. But most, of, most leaders will be all about, if you're going to come to me with a problem and complain, it's okay, but come to me with the solution too. Because then it's constructive. Then it's feedback. Then it's, hey, I learned this and I think this would work better. So that was four, fear of criticism. Five, fear of being in the spotlight. So now if you succeed and you get above you're now in that place of, you know, spotlight, a new rock band, a new singer, a new actress, actor, all those people get into the spotlight and they could have a fear of success, which means how people are going to look at you in that spotlight and you don't do it because you don't want to be in the spotlight. You fear it. Six, fear of change. Now we are creatures of habit. I, I'm sure you guys all feel this at some point in your life that we are creatures of habit and trying to break habit to a change in some regards can be very uncomfortable. I will recommend a book that the military has made us read for years. It's really, really good. It's called Who Moved My Cheese? It is all about dealing with change. Now I'm sure I know, and I'm not even sure, I know there are hundreds of books that you can read that deal with fear of change. And that's okay. I'm just making a suggestion in case you hadn't heard one. So it is called Who Moved My Cheese? Amazing. I always recommended it to any of my sailors that felt like they had this fear of change and that it stopped them from being successful and they got mad and frustrated and didn't like it. And they, I want to say they sort of rebelled against the system. Fear of, fear of change is, is challenging. So creatures of habit, but change is good. It can be good. That is that growth mindset. 
fear of change staying there is fixed mindset. I don't want to change. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I don't want to change everything I'm doing because who knows if that's actually going to be good, right? It's like, is the grass greener on the other side? It could really be greener and taste like way better like ice cream and peanut butter. If that's your thing, it's my thing. But if that's your thing, chocolate, like whatever it is, it could so taste better. Seven, fear of losing friends. This one comes to, I'm sure you guys can guess, I don't really have to say much on this. This is like you become successful, you do something big, and those friends, all of a sudden, you have a fear of losing them because you're not gonna connect with them or they don't wanna be around you because they don't wanna be in the spotlight, they don't like the change, they don't like that things are different, but that's on them. And that can stop you in becoming successful because you don't want to lose those friends. I tell you right now, and even though I'm not into the actual part of where I want to give you all these suggestions on how to get over it, ultimately, if they are that good of friends or family or whatever, the people that matter most to you, they will love that you are succeeding. They will welcome it. They will watch you. They will be your cheerleader. They will be your hype squad, whatever it is. They will be there because those people want to see you succeed no matter what it is you set out to do. Number eight fear of working nonstop. Lots of times we hear that once you get big that you work less and yeah, no, that's that's not right. I mean, you might work less if your company is like completely running behind you and you're living off residual income or something, but ultimately you're gonna have to work hard to get there. There is no click button unless you're the lottery winner and then there's that fear of losing who you are, but there's no fast way to get to the top. So it's gonna take hard work, but it's fear of like, that's doing that forever. No matter how hard you work, you're still going to have to work harder to keep going. Like, is it going to be enough? Number nine, fear of excitement, which comes across as anxiety. This is a huge role in why we don't jump. We all of a sudden get super anxious and then all the other fears, probably one through eight, all start coming in somewhere and we create anxiety. That's almost really up there with that fear of failure when we talked about actually physically making yourself sick. That was the last one I think that we talked about last week in the episode three. That whole anxiety makes us not wanting to jump. Okay, Whew. that was a lot. We live in a very competitive society. I mean, honestly, you should see me when I used to play combat soccer. So I will tell you, and if any of those girls are out there that used to play combat soccer with me, I'm sorry, sorry. Combat soccer is two soccer balls on the field. So the game is, and at this point, like in, when we played soccer in the military, like it wasn't official. It was just more like regular, what we call PT, physical training. It's just exercise. It was fun Fridays or whatever. In this particular um, duty station that I worked at, and it was the last one I worked at before I retired. I tell you, it was the most competitive, but I, it was the funnest, and I'm going to make it a word, the funnest time we'd had. It was so fun. People got hurt. And that's why I say, I am so sorry. I bit one, uh, one girl in the arm and I actually, uh, I think I tore a ligament on poor Brandy. Um, I entered her foot when we were kicking and we just, I, we happened to kick at the wrong time and both of us kicked and I wound up hitting her in the foot and, and somebody even kicked the ball really close to me and they launched it. They lifted it right. And kicked it so hard trying to launch it to the other end. It wound up hitting me like square in the face, in the nose, like, and took me down. 
I fell backwards. I, I didn't pass out, thankfully, but our combat soccer was intense. But we had fractured femur, we had broken shoulder, but we had somebody that fractured their shoulder blade or collarbone. We had some serious accidents, but that was the most crap talking, smack talking from initially when we started combat soccer, our commanding officer, which is the highest person in our command at that captain used to play with us and he could talk more crap than most of us put it all down and just like get it all out on the field. And oh boy, Lord knows we said some just, we had sailor potty mouths going there, but it was so much, so much fun. Now our second CEO, it was either our second or third one. It was, he actually banned us from playing combat soccer for a while due to safety concerns, because if medical's actually causing the, <laughs> the safety concerns, then we probably shouldn't be playing it. Eventually we got to play again, but it was really dangerous and I sort of had to tone myself down. And, and by the time I retired, I think combat soccer returned to normal. I really loved, loved combat soccer in the fun and the, the camaraderie that we had. I digress, let's pull the squirrels in and we're gonna talk on some strategies. So how do we start to fix fear of success? And these are the pillars I wanna talk about. These are the strategies I wanna talk about. One, power of positive thinking. This has to do with getting rid of those negative Nancys, negative Nathans out of your life, out of your world. Put them in the circle of, of concern and not in the circle of influence. Those are not the people you want influencing you. You want to have positive thinking. I can do this. Write it down. This comes back to sort of journaling, which I, I will tell you that I love. It is hard for me to do it all the time. And consistently, I probably would be doing a whole lot better if I did do it every single day. But when I know that I am dealing with something that I need to kind of move past, I do journal about it. I do try to get it out on paper so that I can work as hard as I can to move past it and as quickly as possible. Because sometimes putting it on paper allows me to read it and the reading of it allows me to deal with it. Power of positive thinking. It's not always easy to do. But you got to recognize it when it starts to creep in and the negative starts to creep in and you're going, okay, I don't want to lose my friends. You got to say, no, no, no. The friends that really love me and the friends that care about me, the family that care about me are going to relish in the fact that I am doing something to be successful. I'm doing something that maybe nobody else has done. I'm going to college for the first time and nobody else in my family has ever done that. They are going to love it. Those are the people that are in your circle of influence. Those are the people that you want to keep close to you. That takes to us to two, which is removing negative influences. So if you have negative people in your life, if you have negative, the job, the boss, whatever, you need to either figure out how to tune them out, how to move, how to quit the job, whatever it is that you need to do to get rid of those negative thoughts. You've got to get rid of those influences around you. It dims your light and you have a purpose and you're supposed to be doing something magnificent and that may be greater than what you're doing right now. Maybe you're already in your purpose, but if somebody is there trying to dim your light, get them out. Ta-ta, TTFN, ta-ta for now, out. When you can come at me with something positive and you have something to offer and we can exchange ideas in a positive, um, constructive way, we can talk. Okay, number three, spot patterns. If there's a situation that you know that generally starts to get you into this fear of, let's take fear of being in the spotlight. Like if you recognize that you're starting to do something and people are starting to look at you, you need to recognize the pattern. And then you need to, journaling about it is definitely the most helpful. It is a quick way to get it down on paper and say, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I need to work on. But you need to recognize that pattern. 
so that you can rewrite the script sort of and get rid of it and say, no, 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 this is a good thing. I'm moving into what I was meant to do. What feels good? What is my purpose? So number four, say no, learn to say no and set boundaries, set boundaries. There are things that you're going to have to say no to because they are not going to put you where you need to be. They're not going to give you the success that you want. They're not going to be in a growth mindset. There are things that people are going to want you to do and you're going to politely, I guess, say, no, thank you. I'm sorry. I can't do that. Or I need to do this to be successful. I need to set boundaries around it, time blocking, calendar timing, whatever, or just, you know, I can't do this because I need to focus on this. So learning to say no. And then number five, this one's fun. This one's a, this one takes another mindset shift. This is focusing on the journey. Focusing on what takes you to get there and not the results because the results is where you drive and, and tends to have this fear of success, right? So if we start thinking about, oh my goodness, I'm going to be in the spotlight, that is after the results already come. And then you're not even enjoying the journey because you didn't even take the journey. Where if I'm starting the journey, my podcast, it is a huge journey. It is putting myself out there. It is in the spotlight. It is huge. I'm relishing in this now, this journey right now. And as ideas come or as thoughts or as stories come, those are what I'm pushing out because that is in the now. And I'm not focusing on what's going to happen in the next episode. I'm focusing on what I'm talking about right now with you right now, what you're hearing. That is what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on this journey of how to get more information out and strategies to help you be where you want to be. The bonus strategy get comfortable being uncomfortable. I can't, I can't say it any other way. That is the growth mindset. When you are comfortable, that's the fear of change. You don't want to do anything. Uncomfortable means that people are going to be able to look at you. Who cares? They're going to judge you whether you do it or you don't. So might as well give them something good to judge. Okay. Like if we're going to do this and we're going to like lay it all out there, people are judging you all the time. They judge us all, not me, just me not me. They judge me. They, they judge all of us. It's all the time. It's all over social media. It's why people don't always post the negative crap on social media because they don't want to be judged. So they post only the good stuff and we all look like we have these 24-7 amazing lives every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And no, that's, we don't. We don't. It's totally baloney. We have hiccups in our world. We have challenges that come to us. We don't necessarily want to post that all over the place. And that's okay. But know and recognize that people are going to judge you no matter what you say. If you say that you have this perfect life, they're going to judge you on that and say, Oh, I bet you she's got secrets. Or I bet he's got this going on. Or I bet he just did this to get to the top or she did that to get to the top, whatever. If you make money, they could say you inherited it. You're posting all this great stuff, but you inherited it. Heck no, I earned every bit of that. Right? Like whatever it is, they're going to judge you no matter what. So give them something to judge that's good, that's you, that makes you feel good. And I will tell you ultimately that when you are working in your purpose, when you are working in something that feels amazing, you won't give a crap about what they say. You won't because it feels so good. All that doesn't matter. It gets tuned out. That, negative that negativity gets tuned out. I don't care. This right here feels so much better 
than what I was doing before. And I loved what I was doing. Don't get me wrong. I loved what I was doing. But this, this, I have no fear in what I'm doing. I have no fear of success. I have no fear of failure. I have none of that. Why? Because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is giving you guys ways to feel the same way I do. And that's what I want. I want every one of you to feel that way. It feels so good. And if we could all feel that way, we'd never be negative. We'd all be working in our own positivity and we'd all be working together. I've talked about this before. I love keeping smart people around me that know things I don't know. And that's okay. I can admit, I don't have all the answers. There's only one person that does. It's not me. <laughs> so understanding that and bringing in people and that's your area, of that circle of influence, bringing in those people, smarter people, they make it look better and bring in an aspect that I can't do. I am not fantastic at artwork. It is a challenge for me. I try, I continue to try, but it is a challenge for me. We've talked about this before. So I bring in other people that can do artwork, right? If something's not resonating, I, you know, I'll ask, hey, how does this title sit with you? Why? Because maybe that's my challenge today. I can't create the challenge, I can't create the title that I want to to get across that this is what I'm offering in my episode. So I'll ask experts to help me. That's part of my journey. That's that networking. That's that focus on positive. That's bringing in people that are going to give me feedback. It's basically every single strategy I just talked about. But feeling this way is so incredibly different than just loving your job and what you do. What you are meant to serve and what you are meant to provide. Like I was meant to be a leader in the military so that I could have these stories, so that I could have this experience, so that my life could be this way, so I could be here to give you this. That is so much more powerful than all those other fears. Okay, soapbox, rant, secured, done. There we go. So we have talked about all the different ways that fear of success can show up, right? And we've talked about five strategies, six technically. Power of positive thinking, remove the negativity, spot your patterns, say no and set boundaries, focus on that journey and get comfortable being uncomfortable. There it is. I gave you six strategies. I hope this resonated with you, I guess is the right word. I really hope that you find a strategy that works for you. Not every strategy may work. Find the strategy that does. Try one, try two, try six, I, whatever it is. Try one to make that difference, to allow you to be set free so that you can move forward in your business, in your life, in your pursuits, in your pursuit of happiness. There we go. And that's what I want for you today. I thank you so much for being here. If you would like more help and you're feeling like this fear of, fear of success is really getting to you or the fear of failure, please join the Facebook group so that I can help you out. Um, there's also a strategy call that we can hop on a free one in 30 minutes. We can talk about it. We can set some strategies in place. The links are all below in the episode notes. Please check them out. Um, there's also private coaching if you feel like that's something you need to really work on overcoming all of those fears and you really want to get into the pursuit of your happiness. I am happy to also work with you on that. Email, connect with me, social media, whatever. I would love to chat with you. 
So until next week, super excited about whatever episode five brings because I have no idea yet what it's going to bring. And then I'm going to start working on some interviews. I'm going to start bringing you some really, really smart people that have had struggles that um, became successful business owners. And I love to bring other women to you that have been successful so that you can hear their stories and their struggles because they may be very different than mine. And I think that that makes us more well-rounded when you hear more stories from other people and not just me. I mean, mine are good, but you know, no, I'm kidding. So until next time, thanks so much again for being here and remember to keep staying gritty. Hey friend, before you go, I would love to read your takeaways from this episode. I would be so blessed and grateful if you had a few moments to share your thoughts in a review. So just hop on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll below the episodes and click on the purple write a review this episode inspired you today to make a change, share on your Instagram or your Facebook stories and tag me at The Gritty Coach. I would love to tag you back in my stories. Just remember to never give up. You never fail. You just learned a way how not to do something. So try again. I believe in you. And until we meet again, keep up the grit.